Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Siakam the slam! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Strictly Hoops with CJ Miles. Rate, review on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like, subscribe there as well. The man is back. Been in the trenches and you're here oh, to deliver this content. <laughs> <laughs> the trenches for sure. Like I literally, like you can't see it. I have like his chair, one of his little chairs, rocker chairs in here in the room with me. Because I, if I go to do any type of work in here, I have to bring him in here with me and we just hang out and hopefully, <laughs> you know. But I'm off duty right now. So, is raising um, a child in their first few weeks of life harder, or is it a playoff game that is more difficult? Yikes! Um, <laughs> ah, the, the, That's this a is hypothetical. That's hypothetical. I get to sleep before the playoff game. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, that, that's different now. Like I will say, because I am somewhat like I, I am more. Not this is not a knock on anybody else that plays the league or any dads. I'm a hands-on. So like especially when we had Ava, that was I was thinking about this yesterday. I was thinking about the fact that I was not sleeping and going to play games. Right. I'm tired now and not playing games. And I'm thinking ah. about how I did this um during the season. I was like, I don't even realize how I was doing that. Like I was yeah. thinking about this the last couple of days. Like I've been exhausted. And I'm thinking, like, man, I was coming home from the road doing this at home and then playing like obviously i would get a little bit more sleep because it was a, the situation was a little bit more sensitive but still crazy yeah that's a whole nother conversation too we're gonna get to fred van bleed his status right now but um when we had that chat with him a few months ago that was a topic that i, I wanted to get to but we ran out of time unfortunately but that is something that i've been curious about you know what is it like for a dad when they have their first kid how how involved are they? I'm sure it does vary. And if you're more hands-on, I mean, you you made it through, but I mean, you guys are wealthy people. You could probably get the help that you need to make sure the kid's getting what they need, but um, also it's your son or your daughter. It's your first, your second. Um, it's hard to just be like, okay, I'll uh, go get this sleep in and we'll see you tomorrow. So, um, yeah. Especially when you're coming back and you haven't seen them already, you've been on the road. Yeah like so many things that go into that but yeah so making a very 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 odd switch to nba free agency <laughs> um, great segue yes 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 uh again with with cj we're going to talk a little fred we're going to talk about some of um other combo guards point guards that could make sense for the raptors most notably gabe vincent if fred does indeed uh play for another team next season probably the Houston Rockets because they're throwing a lot of money at him. And then we're going to wrap it up with, uh, with Grady Dick because who better to learn about Grady Dick and his mechanics and shooting and all that fun stuff than CJ miles, but starters. Okay. So in your career, I went back and I looked at it um, in terms of free agency, you signed four contracts, 2008. It was a four year with Utah, 2012, two years with Cleveland, 
July 10, 2014, a four-year with Indiana. And then 2017, you signed a three-year with the Raptors. There's, I mean, there's maybe some more after that, but those are like the big ones, I guess. Um, what is that process like, especially at this time? Like you're heading into July. What are you talking to your agent about? Um, how are you feeling offers? Are you being patient? Are you anxious? What's going on? <laughs> Me personally, I, I hated it. Just like, yeah. I just because it's being such a basketball first guy, like I know that's part of it, and I just wanted to get to, I just wanted it over with, like you know. But I always looked at it. So the first time when I was leaving Utah, I was very anxious because I've been in Utah for seven years. So mm-hmm. like I, I knew, I knew I was out of there at that time. It was just time. Like I knew just where I was at. I wanted to leave, not in a bad way. I just wanted to explore. I wanted to see everything. The team obviously had been broken apart. Guys were leaving. It was time. Um, that one was very anxious, um, just cause I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I had and never, you're young, yeah, you're young. And I, I'd never been in the situation where I was leaving. I didn't know anything. I only knew Salt Lake city, but the biggest thing always was for me and my agent, when we talked was obviously there's money involved. Right. And you kind of know where you're going to be at. Sometimes the market jumps or falls, some, something crazy happens, but you kind of get a scale of like guys the year before and then what you're going into guys that are on under contract what they're making with your numbers this type of thing so you always try to unless there's this drastic thing try to make sure we're looking at what's better for us in the long run also what's going to be better basketball for me what's going to allow me to be able to grow some more or to play the best I can play to even start thinking about to be ready for the next contract or just to where I can actually help that team and where I fit on that team that was always first for me it didn't matter how much I paid if I was gonna be I got paid if I was gonna be miserable. I always felt that. Like obviously, unless somebody's offering you five and somebody's offering me 50, you don't leave money on the table. But most of the time, the discrepancy is not that big of a deal where you can't choose being happy over that. Um, and that was always big for me. But during the process, you just kind of listen and you just kind of watch. You know, some guys go like my situation. I knew some guys were gonna go off the table before me, some bigger guys, some bigger names, kind of watch that. And then we have another meeting and we see yeah. what's on the table. You mentioned like the years and the financial side of it. Uh, sometimes it's not really that different, but how do you balance term versus money? Cause that's something we're going to get to with Fred, but it, it must be something you got to think about for, you know, two year contract with more money versus a four year contract that has uh, more term. Mm-hmm. Is that like a state of life kind of thing? Yeah. I think it's where you are. Career-wise, where what, what you are, I think with Fred, like the reason that's enticing is because we're looking at a guy one, like if we're being honest, like he's already won. Not saying he doesn't want to win some more, but he has won. Yeah. Um, he is in a situation where he can make in Texas, if it is Houston, no state tax, the most money in two years that he can make, like basically what he made off his last deal, like in two seasons, like the whole deal. Right. Yeah. More so without the tax product, because we know Toronto's tax is different than Texas tax, obviously. Yes. Yes. So yes. like it's enticing because he can look at it like it's only two years. I go help this situation. I help these young guys. I play probably don't have to tax my body crazy because of the situation, because we're trying to like rebuild a little bit. I'm not going to have to play 38, 40 minutes of trying to like do this. We're trying to help, I'm trying to help guide mm-hmm. some guys. And if they use me that way, I come out of these two years that much more richer, like probably like not that he's not set, but now you get the most you get, like out of his career, 
where he came in, his story, what he's able to get. Because now we know his business side, he's he's very that's very important to him. And his legacy and the things he's doing off the floor and things he wants to do for his family is very important to him. And that we all want to get paid at some point. Right. So to be able to get the biggest pay that you can get for just two years and come out on the other side and go play some more. I don't know if it's really that crazy not to take it. Yeah. I mean, he's 29 at the end of the contract, he'll be 31 years old. If it's a two year, which is what we're, we're hearing. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's roughly like two years, $80 million. So um, an AAV of 40 mil per season. A, and for the Raptors, I mean, with some of their restrictions in terms of, you know, re-signing Yak and uh, they could offer more money, but that would probably mean that they have to, you know, get rid of some other players on the roster. It could be some of the guys off the bench. It could be Chris Boucher, um, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Thad Young. That could happen like Malachi Flynn. And they would have to really <laughs> dig deep into the pockets if they want to make this happen. And there's been some more recent reports that, I mean, the Raptors, they're getting calls on OG, they're getting calls on Pascal, and they're like, no, we are not rebuilding, we are retooling. However, without Fred Van Vliet, that does become much harder. I did a video, like I posted it today, um, and it was on Javon Carter. In the event the Raptors do lose Fred, he could make sense. But I also stated in the video that, but he's not Fred. And you are going to take steps backwards. He's uh, from a FIP standpoint, you know, from what the Raptors want to do. Um, it, it increases the usage of some of the other guys on the team. Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. is assuming he's back. OG Anobi gets more touches. But from a winning game standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, you are losing. The total will not be the same if Fred Van Vliet was there. And um, our conversation that we had with Fred, which I really enjoyed, but we both know that it wasn't received well by everybody because of how honest and candid he was. He's turned some people the wrong way. I wonder if that could be a factor for him. Like he told us that, you know, he's been kind of uh, not really on social media the same way as he has been in previous seasons. And the season that it was, it was a lot of losing. It wasn't common for everybody. Um, and so fans reacted. I'm sure he wasn't the only one who probably stopped looking at social media as much, but that has to be a factor for a player, right? Like how does a fan base appreciate you or do they? Yeah, and what's crazy about that is that people were upset about things that were said and even a little bit of what I said, because I went, I was on Twitter and social media and a couple of days after we were still talking about it. Those yeah. same people, and now we're sitting here talking about this guy about to get $80 million for two years. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you can say what you want about what you think value is or how you, you and, and we talked about this before we got on camera, like looking at the season, people, especially when things are going the way that, that they probably could have went or we could say should have went because that team has a lot of talent and things. They're gonna pick their spots and who they want to pick on and what parts they want to. Yeah, they're gonna the guy that's gonna be a whipping boy. That's gonna be and even situations that because at one point we thought it was gonna be Pascal, like yep. the way it was going. Like people were they they were upset. Like people were at him. Mm -hmm. Like he's supposed to be the one. He's supposed to change. It's just it's just the the nature of that part of the game. So I don't know if that weighs in on Fred's decision on where he plays because we also know. Next year, fifteen games in, every single one of those people could be have they they'll be different, like yeah, they'll be different. They'll yeah. be different in during summer league after he resigns, like because he decided to come back and they'll look at the season from a clean slate again. Like we're still talking about, like we talked about a guy of one of only eight or nine guys that averaged nineteen, twenty, and eight assists or so. Yeah, like handful and of a, guys in a down year as well. He yeah, didn't have the best year. Yeah, we can't throw away this because of our feelings. We can't throw away 
um, what yeah. we actually have. It's like Tobias Harris is talking about it. Like casual fans will throw me away for a crumble cookie, but <laughs> he's right. You're not going to get a six nine forward that can post, shoot it, play off the dribble, defend best guys, play most yeah. of the You're not going to get that back. Yeah. And his percentage yep. also. Sure. I was looking at uh, Tobias Harris after his uh, comments there and from his dad too. And I looked at some of the numbers and I mean, it, he may not be the score that his dad was saying, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta factor in some proud dad stuff with that, but he did average like 21 points, 20 points, 19 points in consecutive seasons. And he was shooting around 48%. Um, he's definitely taken like many steps backwards um, in terms of his scoring ability to accept a role, which my gosh, we've talked about that so much on this I pod and I appreciate it. But he did that because it was for the betterment of the team. But then we can't forget that he's still that guy. Exactly. And we and we do that, though. And I wouldn't even say like I wouldn't even say his ability, just his his opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it's gone away. And then like and that fades and that and that hurts a player sometimes, too, because we're creatures of habit. Like we we work and we we drill and we scheme. We do all these things every day. So like. You could forget some of the things that he might have in his game or have in his game just because of the opportunity that he's given. He might have to shoot three more threes than he wants to just because of the way the spacing has been. Because now you got Maxi and Embiid, obviously, and James Harden. You got these guys who are ball dominant guys. Now, we're not going to run a lot of mid post pace for you. We're not mm-hmm. going to run a lot of things where you get dribble handoffs and put you in a situation. You're going to have to get it kind of how you live. And if you get rolling, now we'll give it to you. But a lot of nights, you got to go find your space and create opportunities for yourself a little bit in the floor of the game before we start calling. Yeah. And I think Tobias, the 76ers could probably relate to the Raptors a little bit too, what what we saw this past season and the numbers that Fred had. I mean, I said it was a down year because I think he's capable of more. I mean, he shot 8% worse um, in terms of catch and shoot than he did the previous season. Like those numbers alone, that's a difference maker. And his pedigree as a shooter, um, it can't be negated in one down year where he was obviously hobbling at at various points. Um, and uh, the conversation that we had with him, I went back and listened to it because uh, I just wanted to see if there was something that really stuck out to me. And the things that I enjoyed from that were was what he was saying about, you know, his goal is to play 10, 15 years in the NBA. That, that was the original goal and how versatile he is, um, how willing he is to take on different hats for the betterment of the team. He mentioned that, you know, he's like, it's funny that when I had my pre-draft workout with the Raptors, all I did was pick and roll. And then we didn't do it for years. Like, I think during the bench mob days, there was some of that. But then after that, he wasn't doing that at all. Right. And then Yakaproa comes in and now he has to relearn those skills. And if you watch closely, you could see the progression that he had during that time with Yak this past season to the point where it was becoming like a other teams were like, we have to stop this. And I would love to see what that looks like next season with, you know, a healthier Fred, um, better chemistry. Maybe Yak is in the gym, too. Um, We'll see if he comes back as well. But that could be that could be great for them. And uh, it's just it's a difficult thing to wrap my head around. Fred not being back, not just because of where, what are the Raptors going to do from a point guard standpoint, but he's been with the franchise for so long. Like you could see him and OG and, and Pascal being like lifers, you know, obviously it's the NBA things change in a heartbeat, but that's the relationship they've had and they formed with the franchise and him not being here would be really strange, really, be, really strange. And I, I'm not sold on it yet. Like, I don't think that it's a, cause you know, we also talking about a front office who's pretty candid. Like they don't really bite their tongue 
and they're not. They said they want to bring him back. They said it. They don't really, they don't really move in a way of like bluffing and saying stuff and just doing like they're pretty. No. You know, Masai does not give a flying <laughs> about what anybody's got to say. He's he's into winning and he's into doing yeah. it how he wants to do it. And he's he's pretty upfront. That's why it's hard for a lot of people with him because he is so upfront. He is so honest, and it might be in the moment and it might not be the right thing to say right then but it's honest it's an honest assessment of right then and it, and people it's hard in the lead because we're so used to things being masked oh we're mm. not gonna trade you and then we trade you the next day oh we're not gonna da 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 oh we're not thinking about that just think you know what i mean we just try to yeah. make everybody feel good and he's not into feeling good he's into doing our jobs and winning games right um and i'm not i, I think it's still a. I don't think it's a two-year thing like houston for me back i think that's the difference between the situations coming back to Serrano. We, if we're going at this, let's not have to deal with this two years from now. Let's make it three, four years. Yeah. And let's, if it's spread out a little bit different, the money's a little different, but we're really going to go try to win this thing and stay and, and make this thing a dynasty or make this thing special. Then we, we show that in the years. Cause there, no, guys don't like to deal with free agency. I know people think it's yeah. an exciting time. It's exciting when you sign the paper and you get, you know what I mean? And then you know how much money. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to go into every other season, every season, dealing with like, where am I going to be? Especially when you got a family, especially when you're trying to build something. Even as a career, we talked about this having different coaches every year. Mm-hmm. That's not fun. Like, that's that's not, trust me, I know. <laughs> I had a different yeah. coach every year for whatever amount of years, like until I was gone. Yeah. I say gone until I, until I was at home. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I see both sides of it, you know. Again, turning 31, um, still many more years. And for a guy whose slogan is better on yourself, I could see him sitting there saying, I'll be just fine at 31 and I'll be able to get another big contract because um, I'm that confident in my abilities. He says, he was saying things to us in that interview we did. He's like, I want to stay in my development stage. Um, I'm constantly improving. Yes, I'm not a perfect player. I got things I got to get better at, but I believe in my potential. There are things I haven't shown yet. And I want to at some point. He's telling us this, right? Um, so those are like you, it's hard to think that he's not going to factor that into what's up. I was about to say of the piggyback. And saying, the other thing we got to remember is that the older guys that get bigger contracts again, and that 31 is not old. It's older in the league though. Yeah. They're winners. They're though there's they're winning situations. You don't see older guys come from losing teams and get big deals. Mm. So that's the thing you kind of kind of play into it too. Like obviously if he goes to Houston and does the two-year thing and he turns the situation around, then yes. But if he goes down there, yes, he gets paid. But if they just lose the whole time and it doesn't turn positive, it doesn't, there's not you don't get a big deal like that again coming out of there. No matter no. what your number, I don't I never no matter what a guy's numbers are, even guys that come off losing teams averaging 20 points a game, they don't get the biggest deal they could get. Coming out of winning, winning cures all is is is, yeah. is true in the league. Oh, so like, there's I'll a risk here. Yeah, I'll there's a real risk here because everywhere he's at, they're winning. Yeah, that's why he keeps getting paid. That's why uh, Chris Paul got paid again when he went places. You can say what you want, but they turned around. They won. Same reason why, obviously, LeBron James can keep getting paid. The same reason <laughs> why, because these guys they win. There's other guys like Jimmy Butler will get paid again at some point. Yeah. Because of what they bring, like this is the thing with that. So, I think Fred knows this. Mm-hmm. He so does. that's something you put on the table. You go down there and you lose for two years. Yeah, I just got this, but and and maybe that's fine after I make eighty for two years with no state tax. 
<laughs> maybe it's fine that I, I don't need the big yeah. one. Maybe it's to get it out of the way. Yeah. I mean, and he's, he's aware of this. He's a smart businessman. Um, a couple of years of losing aren't going to help his value, especially now you look at it the other way. Now you are 31 years old and you just had two years of losing when you left Toronto. Oh, now there's the narrative that Toronto was making Fred Van Vliet the player. He was that kind of a thing. And if it comes down to the the millions, I mean, if it's, he wants 33, not 30 um, with the Raptors, I could see Masai doing it. And that could mean another transaction, as I mentioned earlier. But they know that if they're looking to continue to win, not having uh, Fred Van Vliet is going to be a problem. And you, uh, if that does happen, then Scotty, Gary, all these guys, like it's your chance to build. Um, but then there's also risk involved in that when it comes to trying to win games. Like those guys are still learning about themselves as ball handlers, as players, as uh, game planners, uh, just learning the fundamentals and being put in situations that they're uncomfortable. They got to go go through those reps. Um, but Fred has gone through a lot of reps. We're going to talk about Gabe Vincent in a second, but even he had a late start to his NBA career, right? So even if he was to become a Toronto Raptor, even though Pat Riley has said that he, he wants to re-sign him, if he does, right? It's still not going to be the same as Fred. Right. Because there's not the experience factor. I also think that when you're trying to build a dynasty type situation or a thing where you want to continue to be able to like a passing of the torch type of situation type thing, you can't reset in the middle of it too many times because there's nobody to pass the torch. Like the yeah. guy that you never see the full potential of the guys who are going to be your guys, like your Mount Rushmore of your situation. Right. So like in Golden State, those guys can pass all that knowledge and experience to these guys as they're playing so guys can be built up while they're playing with them right mm. that's the kind of way you want to set it up the reason why and obviously you want the coaching staff to be consistent and things like that reason why san antonio was able to stay good for so long because there's always a piece of it left to give yes. to other guys that are around and the staff's been consistent and things like that so you want to continue to have a piece of what's really special about our culture and things around so as much of that you can have as you're bringing in young guys so like having a Grady Dick come into the situation with the guys that know what they're doing, that expedites his curve too. Mm -hmm. Like that expedites how fast and how much he can learn, how much he can soak in because now we can, one, we can leave him on the floor more because we got three other guys with the experience that can kind of help him with his mistakes and take up for some of that. Two, yeah. he's got, so it doesn't always have to come from a coach because when it always has to come from the coach, it starts to feel like they're on you all the time. Like it starts to feel when you're with the guy who's been through it and done it. It's like a parent. Guy, your parent exactly. versus your big brother, or big sister telling you something. Especially when you've seen these guys do what they've done for years now. So now yeah, he's not yeah. he's not telling you this just because he's telling you this because he was shooting with you too before practice. Mm -hmm. You saw him last year be an all-star. You saw him make this many threes in the season. You've seen him defend this guy, whatever it is they're trying to teach you. And it's just different. Which is why veterans, we had this conversation, are so important. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, and they're going away. <laughs> There's a lot fewer out there now. Teams are spending their money a lot differently. Before we get to Grady, I wanted to get your thoughts on Gabe Vincent, um, how he would fit with the Raptors. So uh, just so people have a bit of a background, 6'3", he turned 27, just turned 27, happy birthday. Uh, in the playoffs, he averaged 12.7 points, uh, 40% from the field, 37.8% from three, 3.5 assists. He was a bit up and down. And I think Miami as a whole, I think most of us know they were up and down. But once he kind of stapled himself as part of the rotation that eventually a starter, February onward, he was pretty damn good. And, you know, in the playoffs, he had a few big shots. I think of that uh, that pull-up versus Boston in game two, where he hit that over Jason Tatum. Then there was a shot uh, 10 seconds left in game five against the Bucks, where he had that uh, pull-up transition three, which was massive, obviously. So talented guy, um, obviously fits Miami like a glove. And I think that also means that he probably fits Toronto like a glove. So uh, your thoughts on Gabe? I mean, one, you know where he's coming from. Yep. Coming from Miami, you know how they do things as far as like being in shape, being prepared. So you know what type of mentality he has and how he how how he takes his craft. So that's a plus, right? Coming into he's tough, he defends his route, you know, he's had to scratch and claw to be where he's at. So you know he doesn't take nothing for granted. Those are all the things that kind of jump at mm-hmm. you right away when you're looking to bring a guy into the mix. You know what kind of energy he brings in. Offensively, super talented, shooting the ball. Um, gotten really good in pick and roll situations, scoring wise. I think Fred gets a yeah. little bit wide, um, playmaking wise, but scoring wise, he's got a good mid range game also. And I think he gets that nod on Fred, maybe more so because of his size. They bring some similar things, but Gabe's size allows him to, to his highlights are different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Shown he can shoot it, which is a big thing with space. He can extend his range a little bit. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that he brings in a winning mentality, like a, a hungry guy who's tough-minded, who's going to defend, who's going to play hard, shoot it. Um, I think he's good in both guard positions. I think he can play some point. I think he's really good at on the off off ball because you put him in some moving stuff and put him in yeah. space, handle it and shoot it. Um, but I, I think he's he's a fit. If you, I think he's a fit with Fred, with or not. I think they'd be good together. Like, I don't mm, even – sure. I think if you're looking at a guy, and I like Javon Carter, like you said before, too. Obviously, Javon is a tier under those guys because he hasn't seen the minutes and he didn't have yeah. things like that. But he's another tough-minded guy. I was with him in Memphis for a little bit when I was there. Oh, yeah? Um, great on-ball defender, great energy, works his tail off. I'm talking about, like, there was never a time I went back to the gym at night and did not see him. Hmm. Like, never a time. I'm talking yeah. about if I just went – when I was staying close by there to go pick up something I left, not even to work out, he was in there. Music blasting, running, shooting, doing everything. He's turned himself into a really good three-point shooter also. Yeah. wasn't a thing that he had before. Um, so, I mean, he's a he's a great option also. Yeah. For Miami, they got to make some decisions. Uh, Max Struess, 
He's being targeted by the Indiana Pacers. There's a rumored contract of three years, $48 million. So they may have to make a decision between those two. But Pat Riley is going to be meeting with Gabe. Um, and as I said, they do want to re-sign him. So we got to keep that in mind. He kind of reminds me of Eddie House with his trigger a little bit. Mm. You know? Yeah, he's not um, as wild, but yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not at all. But I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I, I'm with you. I'm with you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the quick trigger, like he likes to reject screens a lot and he's able to just pull up from three and there's a movement shooting ability, as you mentioned. Um, he's got a runner. Like he would be an interesting player to bring in. Less experienced than Fred. Uh, just so we know, the Raptors could only offer him the middle level exception, which is uh, $12.4 million a year. And that would be uh, probably a four-year offer worth $53 million. Um, that could be like the extent that they could go with the contract. Again, Miami does want to bring him back. And uh, he actually, it's funny that he has like a similar trajectory and, and like a, a path as Fred too, you know, just step by step by step, he kept on proving himself. So there's similar, similar backgrounds as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's get to, to Grady. This is the money stuff right here. So I wanted to get your opinion, um, obviously, because of your pedigree as a shooter. In terms of the fundamentals that you look for in great shooters, like where is he excelling right now? Um, where is he probably a, a, like ahead of the curve in some ways? Um, I think he's just got he's got on his catch and shoot. He seems to be prepared. He's got good feet, good hands. Like doesn't have a big dip. Like, you know, a lot of guys have to get that really. He doesn't have a – I've seen a lot of stuff I've seen on him. He doesn't have a big dip in situations where he can get his shot off quick. And I think um, he has the ability to get his shot off in tight spaces even quicker too. Yeah. Not good size, length, much more athletic than I think he's given credit for. It might not be so like too. for like high-flying athletic, but he's able to do things. Like, you know what I mean? Like it might not be so much a 40-inch vert, but it's – 30 yeah. something and he can get and he's acrobatic enough to do finishes which means that he's you can get him in some moving shooting stuff because he's got good athleticism to catch on the run put brakes on good feet things like that um but I, I think the biggest thing is just him understanding like he's got good stuff in his triple thread he understands his space he understands where he can get to hmm is he like ahead in some ways or is he kind of where he should be? Cause he had mentioned that uh, he did a, a workout with Darko and also he mentioned that it's, it was kind of unique that he was put through a workout by the head coach. Is that unique? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that only happened once that I can think. I think I know Larry Brown did it one time. Hmm. That's telling you how far back this is. Larry Brown did it one time <laughs> when I was, but that's the only time I remember it being, the head coach doing that yeah i mean it's a um, new new head coach too so i mean maybe that has something to do with it too um from what i understand about darko that's kind of how he he rolls he has a bit of a kenny atkinson on him like he wants to be in the situation in the grind uh but i, I was like looking that. it up yeah i like it too it's i think it's it's part of um how in, uh, current head coaches uh, emerging head coaches how they got to be because i think players uh, like that style he has a 34 inch vertical by the way i looked it up six seven six eight Hey, yeah. So you see, you can see there might be a, there's a little bit of, um, I think he was a better playmaker at this stage, but a little Gordon Hayward in him, like, um, oh. like size and, and movement ability. Um, and you saw, we saw G time be able to expand his game really as a playmaker in certain situations and things like that. And I think he can grow that way. G time. That was Gordon Hayward's nickname. 
Todd's nickname. She <laughs> <laughs> time. Uh, you kind of just touched on it, but how does his size and and build? He's a bit uh, wiry, right? But he's also six eight, and I mean a thirty four inch vert with that kind of wingspan, with that kind of length. Um, how does that help him get his shot off? Project six nine, right? Like, uh, but um, <laughs> no, but I mean his his length and like I said, him not having that big dip and a and a high release definitely helps with things in the mid-range areas and things that he wants to do outside of three-point shooting. But as far as just like contest and things like people, him getting people off his body, because we know bigger wings don't like to chase. So wings that like to do movement shooting are always going to get smaller guys. So you don't need as much space um, to, to be able to get into, get into his mechanics and get his shot off without it being, being bothered. I think that's a big thing. If you were in the lab with him, what are tweaks you're suggesting to help him get a little bit better at it, it could be you know his mechanics his uh, his footwork his uh, his shot readiness whatever the case is like you're going to know what things he could uh, he could probably help him better than i do but what things are you suggesting as far as like um right away the first thing i always as far as with shooters always attack the feet that's just me like cuz if i can get your feet ready in a bunch of different types of situations we can that changes how many different types of plays we can run for you and how many different ways we can get you opportunities so we can get your feet good and we can get your feet right we can keep you on balance because a lot of things with shooters especially when you want to do any type of movement is balance is being able to create square shoulders or um not even if you float a little bit being able to square your body and that's feet that's being able to put your feet and understanding the footwork it takes to be able to get into these positions and, and readiness also. So, like, we would talk about knowing defensive rotations, knowing the way teams like to rotate on backside so you can put yourself in position to get standstill catching shoot shots. Because the more mm -hmm. of those you can get, the better rhythm you can get yourself in. I mean, you've talked to me about uh, what defenses you've encountered when teams are just trying to negate you. You know, it's, it's top blocking. It's just like being under your jersey to not let you get away. Um, I would imagine that's going to be a big transition for him. Um, he probably faced a bit of that in college, but you know, being with the Raptors, with the players that we think they're going to have going into next season, it's probably going to be a lot of spot-up looks, I think, and we'll have to see how much they can really experiment with them. But I guess actually, let's start here. What are plays that teams ran for you to get you open? Um, I think, so speaking on for him and just his ability right now, I think the biggest thing, one of the things is using him as a screener. Like whether he be the guy setting on ball screen and slipping out or he's screening to get a screen, things like that. So he can get so the physicality is not the thing that takes him out of the game because people mm -hmm. are gonna try to they're gonna top lock body him, try to just run him off everything, just try to be physical. That's the first thing you do to any young guy. Like yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. know how to handle, especially guys on the wing that want to be shooters and you try to take their legs from them and try to do different things. Um, but I would definitely put him in a lot of flying stuff, just stuff that keeps him moving keeps them on the run so guys can't just body them up the whole time. And if they try to do that on the run, we can get fouls. Other thing mm -hmm. is I wouldn't put him in pick and rolls right away. I would use more Jimmy handoffs first because I don't want to have to get crowded by these little guards and we take his confidence from him not being able to handle some of that pressure. I think we use stuff where we take the, we make the decision easier on them. If they go under, you shoot it. If they chase you over, you take that dribble handoff and you straight line drive until somebody gets in front of you. Like, I don't think we overload him with a lot of decision-making early just because he's got to get used to the speed and the, and the way spacing is taken up so fast. 
In college, yeah. you might have had two dribbles. Now you got one. Mm. Like it, and, and and in some colleges, you know, college defense they play hard. They play on the boxes and elbows too. So like, he understands. But it's just everybody's length and athleticism is elite. Like you're not the most elite person on the floor. Yeah. After the draft, Bill Self did a bit of a media availability, and I asked him what kind of plays they ran for Grady to get him open, especially in like DHO situations, get him um, handling the ball a little bit. And he mentioned pinch post. Mm. So, can you tell people what that means, and also like specifically uh, the kinds of plays that we might see the Raptors run for him? Is it like I mean, a floppy screen, um, whatever kind of comes to mind for you? Yeah. I think the pinch post is interesting actually for him because he's six eight, so he can yeah. play either side of it. He could be the guy that catches it. They used to do this in Denver with Melo. Um, they used to run a pick and roll at the elbow with him and Kenya Martin. So yeah, Mello, it was lethal. Lethal. That would catch it in the pinch post, and the guy would cut off of him, and then they run the pick and roll right there. So that way, Melo doesn't have to play the dancing game to get into a low spot to set up the the, the guard to run off the pick and roll. Hmm. Or Grady could be the guy that passes. And gets a handoff from the pinch guy. Yeah, he can fly off of that guy. So you get he can be both of those guys. Um, I think that's interesting because you can take a lot of the space that he has to figure out how to cover out with him being that guy. Um, as far as um, any other plays that I was just off ball screens, like high off ball screens, like I'm talking about going to get him when he's at like half court, mm -hmm. out of the half in space. So like when he comes off that thing. There's space for him to be able to shoot it, put it down, make a pocket pass. There's just put him in space. Don't 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 overload him too much with too much tight stuff because they're going to be physical. Yeah. So he needs space to operate. So early pins, things like that. You know, in transition, you have like a a, a big Yaka uh, Pertle, a Scotty Barnes, kind of just like following him around, and you can use the misdirection. He can flip out to the corner. See, you just kind of see it. Like if I'm offset, offset, offset the ball, and I'm coming down, I would start calling the guy at half court. Mm. If the, if there wasn't an action already happening, because yeah. the one thing that does, even if I don't get a shot off, it just starts the offensive flow, and it, and I can dictate the pace of the offensive flow because I'm flying off of it because I want a shot. Yeah. So even if I don't get it, the sense of urgency of the defense goes up because of my speed. So now everybody's engaged. So now somebody's open, the big pops back, he's open, he hands it off. We get now that I just set the pace for that possession because of that. When we take exactly. our time and walk into it and get down to the corner and maybe come get me when we don't find anything, then it, it changes the, the trajectory of that possession. But if I can fly off of that thing with speed and make somebody have to be like, shoot a shooter or switch, switch or whatever, now I just ignited the whole everything. Hold it. And having a movement shooter is like actually a play. It is a play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time. Like, because you just, that's the biggest thing too that I learned as I got and throughout my career that I try to talk to young guys about, especially shooters right away. Carry a threat. Like, there's no move, mm. no move for no reason. Like, even if the play is for you to come off this and to throw it back to get it to something else, you fly off it like you could get a shot. Because I promise you, if you're being the shooter that you are, you come off of that open in the middle of the play and you get that. Nobody's mad about that shot. Like use everything as an opportunity as a shooter, because that way we keep everybody on high alert all the time. Mm -hmm. And we get stuff out of we get we get layups out of stuff that was supposed to be setups. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Paul had mentioned um, when he's with the Clippers that, and they had JJ Redick that it's like when in doubt, we ran floppy. That's why I mentioned it to you earlier because it's like such a safe way just to get the defense moving. And there's a decent chance you're going to get a, a good shot out of it because if if JJ Redick is turning into a mid range jumper or turning into a three, that is a good shot for your offense. And then you you match in with you know JJ's experience and like how much better he got over the years and the reps that he got of you know recognizing the second level and making that kick pass. And then you know, the defense is like constantly moving now and your offense is in a pretty good spot. Um, I actually, I found it interesting and maybe it's not something that I always paid as much attention to, but when I was looking at Kyle Korver's stuff, JJ Reddick, your stuff, how often a side is cleared mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you are going into, into space. And you mentioned that a moment ago, what, uh, how effective is that um, for a shooter? Um, I think what it allows, it allows me to be able to utilize every part of the threat I am in that play. So with mm-hmm. that side is clear and it's only me and the big, now I'm able to utilize the option of of having the option to be able to pass to this big as a way to either get me a shot or get him a layup. So now the big's got to make yeah. a decision. If there's three of us over there, he's got extra help. So now he could be up on my screen knowing his guy can't get an open shot because there's extra help. Now, mm. when it's emptied out over there and I come off, the person that has to help the big has to come from the other side of the floor, the ball side of the floor this way. Exactly. And you're taught you don't leave the ball. You don't leave the ball, the ball side. No, but you don't. Now, you can't. The ball handler's first pass is an easy pass to your guy. So now I think that's it's so important to, as much as you can to clear sides like that. Yeah. Because the other thing is now if I don't get anything, and it's not a pass made, the pick and roll can be ran going that way also with nobody over there. The big mm-hmm. can just go into another screen. So there's so yeah. much spacing and so many things that can come out of it. I think that's why it's so great to do that. But the biggest thing is if we can clear that side, we can create so many opportunities for just that two-man game with the shooter and the pick because there's no help. Even when I mentioned like the kinds of plays you can run with uh, with a movement shooter, like the possibilities are endless if there's space. Like there's just so many ways which you can utilize them. I mean, it's it's pin downs. There's like the fan action, which I saw that uh, the Atlanta Hawks use a lot with uh, Kyle Korver. Um, and that's kind of where like he would he would pivot to one side and then he just shift his defender. And then as a defender was turning the other way, there's Paul Millsap setting a screen for him and the big is in drop. And now he's got a wide open shot. But those are just a couple like there's so many ways. And that's why um, it's exciting to see what Grady can be in a few years, because there is reason to think that he is going to be more than just a shooter. You know, and I think he wants that he he can rebound. He can move pretty well. Um, the hands are pretty good defensively. There's going to it's going to be oh, a bit. He mm-hmm. caught out of you. Yeah. He, yeah. During the season. he did a lot of things. People topside and he went back door. They threw it. Obviously, they were some of the plays were bad defensive plays. They just topside <laughs> went on his body. But the fact that he can go get it is another yeah. threat to the way you can guard him. So I think there's so many things he can do. The only thing that you gotta that's gonna be his challenge is guarding the smaller guards. Because that's what's gonna happen. Because there's gonna be smaller guards guarding him because they're gonna chase. Yeah. If those are ball handling smaller guards, that's going to be his thing he's going to have to learn. But that's anybody coming in the league. The smaller guards got to learn how to guard the guards in the league because they're so crappy. Sure. So many pick and rolls. There's so many pick and rolls. Like, yeah. like you know what I mean? So, like, you got to yeah. get – that's something you got to learn, period. So it's not even just an attack on him. I'm curious how impactful he can be this upcoming season and 
obviously who's on the roster is a, is a part of it too, but having someone with that kind of gravity as a, as a shooter is haven't had that since you <laughs> on the Raptors. So um, it's been sorely, sorely missed. And especially with how they've constructed their roster, they could use some just shooting um, some consistency from, from a few players and how much he plays, who he plays with. He's already said that uh, I'm looking forward to pairing with Scotty Barnes. We can be a dynamic duo. That's great. Hmm? I'm excited to see their energy together. They got really good energy. It seems like. Yeah, they do. And I think that's something that'll help this group. I think that was Mm. a little that missing that uplifting energy last year. Um, The other thing is, plays they can run together they can screen for each other he can be the screener scotty can be the screener they can be a tandem if they figure it out um but i think the biggest thing is just we talk about the shooting i think he if he attacks that as that's my thing for this yeah takes that as that's my job because i think there's some guys that have been able to make shots but nobody's decided that this is what i'm gonna be like this Mm -hmm. is where i'm gonna carry my threat the most in it and I think that's the difference. So it's a mindset in it. And, I, and it's not saying that you can't do other things, but we need this more than I need you to do that. I have a bunch of guys that do that. I don't have anybody that does this. And you have the ability to do this. So let's dominate with that and just have everything else be icing on the cake right now. He's got a nice one dribble pull up too. Like when he does get run off the line, um, like he's been, he's, he's training. He's done a lot of a, uh, preparation for this moment so um it's going to be fun and uh, we'll see who's on the raptors but we've talked so much about you know scotty barnes and where he's going to be going into year three it's a it's a big year for him and that also does you know factor in like is fred van vliet going to be back what's scotty barnes role going to be but it would be cool it's cool to think about the possibility that you have like this duo um and even with add gary Trent jr too like those three and those are kind of your not like those are your bench minutes that's like the combination that you're using and there's something really to it because again if grady can just come in and he can just hit shots as he has and there's going to be um, an adjustment obviously for him but there's something really fun there something really that could really cook um and i think it'd be really good for scotty to be able to be more of a playmaker in those situations and i wish we saw more of gary trent and scotty as a as a pairing um as a dho combination pick and roll combination it, it was there at points but then it kind of didn't really really stay there so we'll, we'll have to see what happens anything else on on grady or in general <laughs> I'm, yeah I, I'm i just i'm just excited to see him um in space and see him with some guys that are gonna you know try to highlight and create situations for him and see how they use him. But I think he's got a lot of ability, man. Like, I think he's got a really good chance of really being yeah. a big team going forward. Hell yeah. All right, bro. This has been great. Thanks so much. Um, any other any other thoughts um, just on life? Maybe you want to go get some sleep? I don't know. It's up to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm just um, keep going. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's all I would tell anybody. Keep going. No matter what it is, keep yeah. going. Don't blink or you're going to fall asleep. Man, don't do it. All right, man. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 